This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I am very excited to be joined today by Joe Major, who's Vice President of Administration and Finance at the College of Central Florida in Ocala. Welcome, Joe. Hello, Megan. Well, to get us started today, I always like to ask our guests to just share with our listeners how you came to higher ed as a profession. And I understand you have a you have a very unique story. Well, so the journey in higher ed for me was uh, initially uh, going to be a temporary job or what I thought was going to be a temporary job uh, after graduating from high school in the early 90s. I'm sorry, college rather. (laughs) 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 After graduating college in the early 90s, uh, shortly after the recession at that time, uh, finding a job in the accounting profession was difficult. I thought I was going to go the the traditional path of uh, public accountant. I did it part-time while in college, building up the resume. And the other alternative, I thought, was going to be a corporate accountant, maybe get a degree in tax law and live a very exciting life, uh, flying the country, living out of of hotels and suitcases. Uh, But as as many of us uh, experience life, we, we meet a woman or a person uh, that we fall in love with and I followed her on her first job to uh, a different part of Florida and after a a long job search in public accounting I realized that wasn't going to happen so a temporary job as a property accountant in higher education in the Florida college system I thought okay this will be six months, and then I'll be able to get on to my real career. Well, uh, that six months is now about 19 years. Uh, oh, my actually, goodness. Actually, this fall will be 19 years. I did have a brief stint back in public accounting for one year. Also had a side business of doing some web development before the dot-com bubble burst. And uh, wow. anyway, yes, so... Here I am and and standing on the shoulders of many great people and now a vice president of administration and finance. Wow, that is amazing. I think you are one of the only people I've talked to that started in higher ed and is still there. I mean, there are lots of people who have been in higher ed for a long time, but that is very that is commendable. So obviously it what maybe you didn't anticipate staying, but you ended up staying. So what was it that drew you to higher ed specifically, and then you know how did you get on that CBO track? Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, had a chance to, I guess, explore that. You know, you heard me mention that I had a brief stint back in public accounting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this was about, uh, I want to say, eight years, nine years in in into my career. Uh, thought that all right, now I knew I was a, at a pivotal point where I need to make a long term career decision. Uh, so. Took an opportunity for a fast-track CPA partnership. What I came to find out is I was a new father at the time. 
um, was able to make more money to pay the bills, but the quality of life was mm. was not as good. And fortunately, a year later, a uh, position opened back up at the college that I, I left to go back into higher ed. And again, been very rewarding. So, so for me, some of the things that helped me, I guess, get focused on a career in higher ed uh, was, was obviously quality of life. Yes, there was initially a pay cut to uh, return back into higher ed, but a lot more job satisfaction. I, I'm also a product of the Florida college system, so I really believe mm. in the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, did the m- first two years getting my associate's degree and then matriculating to a traditional four-year university. So uh, it, it, it seems it, it spoke to me, obviously, from where I came up, but also now being part of a larger organization, a, a larger cause, if you will, that really does great things in the community, you know, not only for those traditional students like myself at the time, matriculating students, but those returning to the, to the workforce, uh, those just looking for uh, that additional credential to be able to take care of their family. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what, what started off right as, as like I said, an, an initially a very what I thought would be a very short career uh, <laughs> has been a very long one, very, very rewarding. And, and again, speaks to a lot of my values. And uh, uh, but but again, I can't do that without my wife. It does take a special person to be able to agree to do all the moves that we have had to do for me mm. to be able to move up the the uh, corporate ladder, if you will, or mm-hmm. at least the industry side rather than public accounting side to move up the ladder so quickly. What would you say is unique about being a CBO at the College of Central Florida as compared to other universities? I've, I've worked, this is actually the third institution I've worked at in the Florida college system. Uh, you, you heard me mention the, the multiple moves to be able to mm-hmm ascend uh, the the organizational hierarchy, if you will, before going into a vice president role. Uh, I've worked at uh, larger colleges um, or a larger college, uh, as well as uh, one about the same size, just a little bit larger. Uh, One one thing that I find unique uh, to Central Florida is that the the demographics of our students, we are actually, uh, we have about 12,000 headcount right around 5,000 full-time equivalents, uh, just over that. Uh, we're poised, we're uh, right above the, I, I, I lovingly refer to us as the biggest of the small colleges. Mm. Uh, well, that's, so, yeah, that's a pretty good size. Yeah, that, that's, so, so that, that's one unique aspect is when I'm serving uh, or attending the annual meetings with Nakubo, um, talking with colleagues about it, what again, I tongue-in-cheek refer to as being the biggest of the smalls, is, is actually a larger institution, all right? Central Florida, uniquely in this system, is, again, not one of the larger ones, uh, but we have the entire gamut of students. Uh, so, for instance, some of the colleges that are in a major metropolitan area, a lot of those cater to a traditional matriculating AA student. Uh, we are a comprehensive institution from the standpoint, or a comprehensive community institution. We do the adult ed. We do uh, vo- vo- some vocational programs. Uh, some of those are also offered by our local K-12, and of course the matriculating uh, AA students, uh, certificate training, industry credentials, uh, a wide variety of things. And 
We, there's also a couple pockets of population centers, but most of our service district is rural. rural. So we have a lot of um, service industry jobs, luxury industry jobs, uh, being uh, the horse capital of the world. Huh. Again, not for thoroughbreds, but for all horses, hmm. uh, including Arabians. Uh, so those that are in Lexington are probably hemming and hawing and <laughs> wanting to dispute that. So I'm sure they'll be able to get my contact information on the website and we can exchange emails. <laughs> so, yeah, that it's, again, wide variety of demographic students. Yeah. Uh, and, and a very, very large service area because most of it is rural. And how does that play into your role as a CBO? Like what, what sorts of things that do you end up doing that maybe other CBOs aren't doing or are you more uniquely positioned to address um, as a CBO? That's a great question. And you heard me mention the, the, the prior colleges, which were closer to lar- uh, larger population centers and um, one thing here that we do differently is, uh, it, it, at least from my perspective, we are engaging a lot more with our business partners as well as a local government uh, to try and diversify uh, industry uh, and, and provide those credentials through us as a higher educational institution to be able to support some of those, those upstart industries. Uh, As a a for instance, there was a local app developer who was actually recognized by the governor. So some of the things that he was featured as part of the Chamber uh, Economic Partnership, uh, we met with him and said, okay, you know, what are some of the things that, that you need specifically not not only from a standpoint of just technology training, but unique to working in this area. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, us being rural, uh, m- most of our service district being rural, a lot of service and 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 luxury industries is the 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 brain drain. So, you know, rather than uh, working collaboratively, which he can do and does uh, remotely with folks all over the world. Uh, to try to develop that, especially uh, he's a young guy or a younger guy just uh, starting a new family, wants to be able to keep, obviously, his core business here, and he will, but also uh, give back to the community and support. So that was that was one thing that normally you would think an academic administrator would be the one leading this charge. And, and of course, at least the deans are, the instructional deans are the ones on the front end. But uh, when when we go out to try to solve a workforce issue, it's it's most of the team that that actually uh, shows up to mm. to provide resources and perspectives. So that that is one thing that's different. And again, I think it's part of it is because of the size of the institution that we are. Right. Uh, that we we not only me but members of president staff we get our hands into uh, a lot of each other's uh, peanut butter. You know, <laughs> to make the Reese's. <laughs> Well, it's not a plug a for analogy. that candy, right? <laughs> but, but, but again, it's, it's. Uh, I, I, I think it also helps us that because we're all at the table, we're, we're able to be engaged in the conversation. Now, and I have to hear discussions secondhand or thirdhand. But that, yeah, that's one thing that I, I do see that is different. But it's also the leadership too, the, the, the willingness of the president to really answer the, the local workforce challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, being as part of, part of the discussions, uh, we have a major, I won't say the name, but uh, there's a, um, a distribution hub for a, pro- 
a uh, very large, you would know the name, uh, private, um, I don't want to, a package delivery service, mm-hmm. as well as also a major uh, distribution for warehouse and hub and inland port, if you will. They're trying to get some of that synergy to create one for another national, uh, international auto parts distributor. So hmm. uh, we've had a chance to go meet with the leadership. Um, also, the city and the county have had us engaged in those discussions uh, when they could bring us in, because initially it was kept very hush hush. Mm-hmm. But 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 again, great coordination not only within our local team but also local government, uh, city and the county to to again diversify the economic base, diversify the workforce, and and we've been able to really be engaged in the discussion uh, right at the onset, and and in fact have offered some new specializations in our baccalaureate degrees uh, uh, for some of our org management programs. Well, and that sounds like something that's certainly an exciting part of your job. What else would you say, Joe, are are the parts of your job right now that you find most interesting or invigorating, if you will? When you said the term interesting... uh, What immediately popped into my mind is Uh probably those that listen are listening in on this podcast. You know, the national discussion of uh, higher education and how it fits into uh, the workforce and job creation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of stuff, again, not only at the federal level, of course, but also at the state level. You know, our our policymakers, uh, we are a public institution. Uh, just over half of our revenue is uh, through state appropriations, and because we're subsidized through those appropriations, uh, the balance uh, coming from student tuition, we're able to keep tuition low. So, but, but nevertheless, the 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 state policymakers are um, making things interesting for mm. us, and 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 good things. We're all taxpayers. We we want to be accountable for those dollars. And uh, we are having to uh, do a lot of data-driven analysis, uh, data-driven explanations, if you will, on on how we're being good stewards with the money. So a a lot of the things, you know, and so at the state level, uh, this stuff is also being discussed at the national level. Um, Obviously, our great friends in Nakuba are helping us keep connected with that discussion and also uh, give us the opportunity to, 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 to comment on that and, and potentially influence some of that, that national legislation or that national discussion. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting time. Uh, and, and one of the things that we, but before when there were, there were no dollars tied to it, I mean, there was of course always accountability measures. And one thing about the state of Florida is a very robust data collection and uh, not only at the at the Florida college system level, but also at the state university system. And uh, so we always reported that, but now they are really drilling in on, again, a lot of the national indicators uh, that a lot of the, the, the foundations giving grants to higher education institutions, you know, retention, completion, mm-hmm. uh, how, how are those success indicators uh, for those hard to serve populations, you know, those on uh, receiving Pell Grants. Uh, it's it's so so yeah, I would just encapsulate it to say yes. It's very interesting times, <laughs> um, uh, very challenging times, but we something that we need to do and something that we will that we will do, especially when there's there's funding tied to it. 
so we're keeping an eye on that, Megan. When it comes to data collection, and it sounds like you've always been very data-driven, but this increased emphasis on data collection and gathering, how what do you do in your role to embrace that more fully? Or are there other models around the country that you look to for examples of, of what you should be doing internally? Or how do you how do you navigate that? It's, it's funny you bring that up because the, the Florida College system being a state system, we, we, we get together and discuss some of the, these, uh, the, the, the state issues. And one of those is the funding for mm-hmm. the Florida College system and and, and therefore also uh, funding for the entire higher education system. The state university system is, is experiencing some of the same data challenges or the, the, the data requests, if you will. So uh, some, some things you, you unique, or I, I should say some of the things that I've been involved in and trying to bring um, my, my experience, and I, I, I say that truly in all humbleness, uh, there's there's a lot a lot more long-term folks that have been part of the system than me, but we are we have pulled together uh, a number of folks, actually all 28 of the chief business officers in the Florida College system to look at different parts of uh, a funding allocation model. Hmm. Um, we also as as part of that through some great work at the folks at the division who have looked at this on a national scale. Uh, looked at funding models around the country without boring you or, or the listener that may be on <laughs> on on the uh, podcast we we came to find out that actually Florida does have a very robust model uh, there's it, it it's complex yes v- very complex but fairness breeds complexity you know we're trying to capture the different missions of all 28 um, I've had the opportunity again to work at three different institutions that did have slightly different missions. You heard me mention it earlier with uh, one being closer to a larger population center and most of the students being traditional AA matriculating and then where I work now, which has a lot more uh, programs. So we don't want to be in a situation and uh, with, without getting too much into the weeds of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did do some tweaks to that. The, the good thing is, is that if we can come together uh, as a system, and I know not everyone is in a system, and we bring that unified ask to the legislature, mm-hmm. you know, show them, hey, these are the things that we're doing, uh, the data we're collecting, talking about the populations, how we're, we're uh, showing a good return on investment, if you will, and we have done some of those economic studies. Uh, to be able to advocate and get it third-party validated. Uh, if we come together with a unified voice, that makes the ask, well, I'll, I'll say this tongue-in-cheek, it makes it easier, but uh, everyone else around the state obviously uh, needs money. We, we don't go for the, that, that argument that much anymore of, of we need more money, we need more money. That, that argument or that, that fine point's been talked about for decades. Now it's Here's what we can do with workforce. You know, if you can help us move the needle or get additional funding on this, this is where we can move the needle to uh, add X many jobs in the healthcare industry, which uh, is very large in the state of Florida with all the retirees uh, that that come to the state of Florida. And mm-hmm. please, if there's anyone on the call that wants to retire, please come to Florida. We'd love to have you here <laughs> buying up property <laughs> and contributing to the tax base. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, Joe, what would you say is the biggest opportunity facing CBOs today? We talked a little bit about some challenges, but 
what do you think is out there that CBO should be looking at or that you're looking at as an as an opportunity uh, for the future? Maybe it's because of the the size of the institution. Uh, you, but but also it's not only that, but it's it's also the leadership of the institution. I've I've worked in other areas or other colleges that the, there were a lot of silos, and and you always talk about. Hey, we need to communicate as an organization, and every every institution has issues, public, private, whatever. But uh, one of the things here is, and and I may be stating the obvious for for those CBOs that don't get out of the office, uh, make sure you go reach out to your academic affairs person, uh, your student affairs person, of course, your governmental relations person. Uh, it 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 truly does take a team, and and with all the things that we have going on, uh, again, the increased legislative scrutiny uh, with being accountable, accountable for those dollars that are given to us uh, as a public institution, you know, the retention and completion effort, looking at the back office functions, which I, I'm just simplifying that that's most of my folks are the back office, business office functions, human resources, purchasing and procurement, you know, the facilities, uh, those, those sorts of things. Really get in and try to anticipate the, the discussion, not only from our policymakers, but also the local workforce. So if if your skills and your emotional intelligence or if you haven't done a, uh, a personality assessment, I would I would truly recommend uh, a person doing that, not not only from the standpoint of, hey, these are some things that I can improve. Um, but also knowing your your weaknesses from a personality standpoint, m- maybe you uh, have some things that you could work on from uh, prior to the deadline or multitasking. Well, surround your folks, surround yourself with folks that are stronger in those other areas. Um, or if there are certain things that you're getting stuck on, uh, you know, the the personality assessment will help you acknowledge that and move forward. So. When when we were around the table, need to be obviously I'll go back to emotional intelligence. R- really need to know how your conversation is influencing others. Uh, li- listen to the other folks on your team around the president's staff. Uh, build those bridges and collaborate, and then also translate those skills and that partnership to your local workforce. So, yeah, th- there are so many hats. Some of it is salesmanship. This is funny. I'll tie this back into public accounting really quick. Is when when folks hear that I was in public accounting, invariably there's always a tax question. So <laughs> <laughs> even though I haven't done it now for almost 15 years, and I'll make that statement, uh, I'll, I'll still get the question. And and I've, I've found again some of that some of that history, if you will, uh, uh, helps to break down some of those some of those barriers if you will, not only from new administrators coming in, but just, just people in general. Also get a lot of questions on investment advice. So let me ex- ex- expand that to a general caller. Yeah, you'll never know what opportunity in your history will be able to be a, a discussion point to help break the <laughs> ice. And, True. and uh, again, just help you work on your emotional intelligence and, and interacting with folks because gone are the days of it, or at least in higher ed or at my institution of just the CFO that says no and watch that penny. It, it, you truly have to be someone that is collaborative and 
listening, listening to the to the to those ideas and coming up with solutions. So you you just can't be the person that says no all the time. Be the person to help collaborate and work on solutions. And that is a lovely place to end our discussion today, Joe. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing just a few of your insights and reflections with our listeners. You can find out more about Joe and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.